0: Why, hello, and welcome. Welcome to the Peer Pressure Podcast. I am Diane, sometimes known as Diane Kamikaze, and I am your host. The reason why I do this podcast is because I like to say I am a champion of heavy music. I've always found my favorite songs since I was a young kid, had riffs, hooks, were either metal, hardcore, hard rock, or punk, or something fairly aggressive in attitude and sound. And I am all about appreciating the people that keep that world going, whether they're musicians, webmasters, other podcasters, record label and festival owners. It's important to me to recognize what these people do in that realm of music. So, I am here to bring them to you in a different context, more than a Wikipedia entry or a press release, a little more personal and a lot more fun. I'm a rocker for life, and I hope these episodes do make a difference. Send me feedback at diane at wfmu.org. And my Facebook page is Diane Kamikaze Farris, Rocker for Life. Like my page there, and I will keep everybody updated on podcast episodes in that space. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned. My guest today is Steve Miller, author of Detroit Rock City, and he will also tell you that he is a true crime writer. Steve was a member of The Fix and Blight and a contributor to Touch and Go. So that's who we're talking to today. The original airing date was July 25th, 2013. You can go listen to his very wonderfully curated set in the archives you'll hear stubs of the songs on the podcast take it away it's steve miller hello how are you
1: i'm doing good how's it going over there
0: quite well thank you so much for joining us today i
1: heard you you play did you say in the readback you said no idols you played i did you know, it's really funny, the other day, maybe a week or two ago, I found the original lyric sheet for that. Oh. I have no idea what, I wasn't looking for it, obviously. It was like, you know, in a mess of papers. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing to have.
0: <laughs> now, the lyric sheet, you mean the lyric sheet that came with the record, or? No, like the lyric
1: sheet that I wrote. That you I wrote. wrote.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was kind of, it was a little bit weathered, considering it was, what, 30-some years ago.
0: Right, right. Well, yeah, that's kind of remarkable that you would actually still have that piece of paper.
1: Yeah, I know. I have no idea how it held up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, it, it got misfiled. That's how it got. How I, that exactly. It was yeah. held up. So um, Steve Miller is my guest. And, of course, he was the vocalist for the, the fix on the... Uh, that was the first Touch & Go record? Your, no, that your was first on seven inch.
1: Process of Elimination EP. Which oh, it was. Number of 81, yeah. That is right. I think it was That's number right. four or five.
0: Mm-hmm. Touching five,
1: six, I don't
0: know. And then was your first seven-inch the first Touch & Go record? I've got that uh, stuck know, in a my. You know, matter
1: head. debate. I'm going to say yeah. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: we'll say yeah. The
1: vengeance. The Vengeance single is the first touching up. And go.
0: And, uh, and and you were also a member of Blight.
1: I was. That's right.
0: And uh, and now you have you've written a book. Well, you've written several books actually. Do you want to give us a little bit on your your authoring history, if you don't mind?
1: My authoring history is yeah. I've re- I've done um, three true crime books for Penguin for the Penguin Berkeley imprint. Um, because I became a journalist, um, a, a serious journalist, and uh, covering crime and murder and those kinds of things. And, uh, and then I've also, along the way, I've, uh, I was co editor of uh, Commando, the Johnny Ramone autobiography, and I edited the Touch and Go book, the uh, Touch and Go, the hardcore punk scene, uh, the compilation of all the, uh, all the, uh, all the magazines. And uh, then this one, Detroit Rock City, full on author try rock city the uncensored history of rock and roll in america's loudest city
0: indeed and uh, when is this book out
1: it came out june 25th
0: oh cool awesome yeah it was a uh, big
1: day i i mean nowadays books trickle out it's not like you have a firm release date so it was it was out people have been getting it and also by the way i, I read the audio version it's in an audio book oh and, and when they told me it was going to be an audio book i, I said Really? Well, you know, I, they sent me the contract. I said, "Well, hey, who's going to read this?" And and they said, "I don't know." But so, well, in the contract, I said, "I had I get to audition for the the
0: read."
2: Oh. And, uh,
1: and I passed, and I get to read it. And, and then you Mike got Clark, the producer for Insane Clown Posse, and Kid Rock uh, did the uh, production chores.
0: Produced an e uh, an audio
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you knew. I don't know how it sounds. I haven't listened to it.
0: Well, you have a great voice for radio. Oh, well, thank you. So there, so there you go.
1: Well, maybe I got a, a new career in, uh, in, in reading books.
0: Well, I think that writing books has been a pretty good career for you, too. That's, it's worked out all
1: right. Kind of surprising.
0: Mm-hmm. How I mean, it's all, <laughs> any
1: kind of <laughs> success is always surprising,
0: I think. I don't know. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, a few years down the line, you got to look back and go, I guess that that was working okay.
1: Right, yeah, it's true. It is kind of funny, because when you walk around, you're still yourself, right? You never think, right. like, oh, I did this, this, and this. You're still, you know, <laughs> it's the same mess that you always are. <laughs> right,
0: you know? right, there's no moment where you go, oh, all that weird stuff goes away, and I am just
1: so... Absolutely m-. not. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not.
0: I've got it all handled.
1: <laughs> people are a little nicer to you. That's about the only thing that happens. <laughs> well, and, and then... Then, and then you worry about motive.
0: Right, and then more <laughs> people are nicer to you.
1: I suppose, you know? yeah. So it,
0: it, it goes like that. What was the... Uh, the actual, the opportunity to write the Detroit Rock book? How did it present itself?
1: Um, It was something that I always just, I wanted to read, and I kept (laughs) waiting for somebody. I thought, oh, somebody's going to write this. I can't wait, you know, because I'd read uh, Please Kill Me, and and, and I think on in the interim, I think uh, Lexican Deviled come out,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: yep. uh, we got the neutron bomb. And I even remember reading uh, that, that book gig uh, about people's jobs and all these oral histories that were just terrific. But, and I said, well, wouldn't that be great? Well, we'll do this for, uh, for Detroit. Somebody's going to do it. I'm going to read it, and that'll be it. And uh, so you kept over the on years, I kept waiting, and nothing
0: happened. <laughs> you kept on going to the bookstore looking for yeah. your book that you hadn't written <laughs> it, yet.
1: I did. I kept saying, "Well, it's got to be here," you know. Right. Um, and uh, finally, I found myself in a position where I could actually do it. And um, and I thought, "Well, okay. Well, let's give this a shot."
0: And, and when you say you found yourself in a position, was it more like time, connection? No, it was. A, was it was a... like
1: where I had done a couple books. I was familiar with the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you don't do these things for free. And uh, I found myself with a really good agent. And um, you know. And he kind of, you know, he, he kind of said, so what else you got? What do you got? You know, and I thought, well, I'd always liked to, I always wanted to do this. And uh, this was after I'd done a couple of tr- crime books. And I think this was after Touch and Go as well. Mm-hmm. Um, same year, Touch and Go came out. And I said, well, I've got this idea. And, uh, and it, you know, we kind of took it from there.
0: And, and what kind of, and so if you hadn't, so then you hadn't done the, uh, the Johnny Ramone book at that point?
1: Um, that had been a long time in, in process. Mm-hmm. that way um, because a lot of that work was done in and uh, of course before he died
0: right yeah yeah um and
1: so um so uh yeah but no i, I hadn't done no that hadn't actually that hadn't come out i'm trying to remember now yeah. no uh-uh we were there was uh, that was in there was an in-between time mm-hmm. there that came out in the in-between bef- after i signed the deal for uh, detroit rock city
0: so then, how did you even lay out how to approach Detroit, Detroit Rock City? Because it's such a very different book from the the things that you had been doing. I mean,
1: you know, uh, I started is I started with just a list, a list of people. If I if if I were to do a book, or if I were to read a book, I guess who would I want in it? Hmm. You know, and I just I mean, the list is huge, and, uh, oh, and so yeah. just you know, that's that's how I started, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about it, and I don't I don't know, I'm trying to remember now, initially it wasn't an oral history, and then it, you know, at first, you know, going back and forth, a lot of these projects, you know, they, they have different forms in your head, because, you know, one day you'll say, oh, I know this, this will work like this, and the next day, no, and then pretty soon I said, no, this has got to be an oral history. I mean, it's, again, the inspiration being, you know, things like, please kill me, and you know, we got the neutron bomb, and stuff like
0: that. All right. So did you get everybody on your list?
1: Just about, just about. Um, Bob Seeger is the one who got away.
0: Mm. And there's and a know, lot about Bob Sear. I started here.
1: thinking, you know, yeah. it started getting irritating after a while. You know, because <laughs> I was really really persistent. And, and they were very nice about putting me off, and I got the feeling that they just... Bob Seger just doesn't like this kind of stuff
2: at
0: all. Mm. Well, there's and, part and, of the book where where somebody talks. I, I can't remember what it is, but but he he says, you know, well, I'm really shy and he, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. And, and even the debate about, about the live record. That's the
1: only. That's the only where I use source material for a, for a living person.
2: I mm-hmm. use source
1: material for Ron Ashton, but uh, but I'm always hesitant. I don't like using source material anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, because I think original reporting is the way to way to ride. but. Um, but in this case, it was you know I thought man I mean he's got to be in here and that speaks to really you know what he is he's a very shy shy man
2: yeah
0: absolutely and there was some debate in the book I think about the live record and then part of it was that that he um, that he kept on putting off doing live bullet partially because of his maybe this this stage fronting thing I don't remember exactly but I remember there was a little bit of um, talk about that and his personality sort of played into. The reasoning why it took them so long to make that record, or to decide yeah, to yeah.
1: do it, yeah, well, I mean, the, he he's, he had wanted to, you know, at, at at that point, I think he had wanted to do another studio record with, and his his band was irritated because he was using a lot of studio musicians and right. so on and so forth, and just it just all came together that this live thing would uh, would be a great move, and that was of course Punch Andrews, his manager, mm-hmm. who was uh, quite the genius, and, uh, and uh, as it turned out, that was you know, was a pretty smart career move.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Absolutely, yeah. He kind of, I mean, obviously really, really just sort of uh, went through the, the muck and the mire in the Midwest and just hung in there, Bob Seeger. He
1: I mean, did. He was just, like, that was a great, uh, you know, it seems like everybody that really that that, that does, you know, just breaks out. It's they're just, it's a monastic devotion to to the, their craft and uh, hmm. whether you like his music or not. and I'm not a big fan, except for the first three or four albums. Yeah. I you know it's uh, man it's still it's, a, it's an amazing thing uh, to to see and, and watch. You know Ted Nugent same way, a uh, White Stripes same way.
0: Mm, yeah. But, um, and then how did you end up with the uh, the Joey Ramone book?
1: The Johnny Ramone book. Oh,
0: Johnny Ramone book. Sorry, I'm reading the words.
1: Um. Now. Let's see um i was i'm trying to remember that how that worked um let's see i'm bound i'm bound by contract i can't talk a whole lot about it oh okay um so i but what i remember though is that i wrote a, a newspaper article i was a national reporter at the washington times and i was just uh, freelancing a story for the entertainment section and i did a story on uh on johnny at that time uh, he was still alive in two thousand four, early two
2: thousand
1: four, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, we began a, a relationship at that time.
0: Awesome, and um, so for this book, oh, you know, we have a we have a question from a listener who wants to know: um, uh, Can you get Susie Quattro to play the East Coast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think she's coming to America to play. She comes to America to play once in a while. Um, so, any enterprising. Uh, Promoter could probably uh, snap her up. Hmm. Hmm. I, wow. I, would, I would guess. I mean, I do know that, uh, that she comes to Detroit quite a bit, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, when I talked, to her, I talked to her, I interviewed her on the phone. She was, I don't know where she was. I think she was in England, but um, she was, um, she talked about how fond she was of, you know, the U.S. and so on. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it'd be a stretch. I'm sure that'd be, that'd be kind of cool if somebody got her to play East Coast, though. That'd be a good
0: place for her. Oh, yeah. Any place yeah. would be a good place for her. Yeah, yeah, you got to do old stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, when you went into, so you said you started off, like, the approach for this book, like, writing a list of people. Was there, um, like, a legendary rumor or incident or a particular subject that you really wanted to find out about? Like, that you had sort of read about or heard about and that you really wanted to, to kind of get the, the skinny on in approaching the book?
1: No, as as I want to, you know, there's things that you grow up with and you kind of know about and and just, uh, but there weren't any, I I wasn't looking for for dirt necessarily. Mm -hmm. I was really looking to have conversations with some of these people and and knowing that the more as you talk to people, you're moving forward and you hear more and more things. Sure. And that's how you kind of string together conversations. In the book, you notice there's strings of conversations and that, comes from not because everybody's in the same room talking to me, but you talk to one person, that leads to the next, and that leads to the next. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew just from experience that's how any kind of story, uh, storyline takes, uh, takes shape. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's really how I did it. And, and I would talk to people outside, the, the people who weren't even in the book, and they, were, you know, they weren't real players, they were you know, maybe journalists and stuff that, might, that I'd, I'd know. They'd say, well, you know, if you're talking to so-and-so, ask them about this, or, or something like that.
2: Oh,
0: Right. Yeah, so of course.
1: that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the thing about um, Grand Funk Railroad had um, roadies on stage with asbestos gloves to pull out the burnt tubes during mm. the shows because they would inevitably, inevitably blow tubes. Right. You know, they used tube amps. And they had these guys with asbestos gloves to pluck the tubes and put in a new one uh, on the spot, you know. And I thought, man, somebody had told me about that. And I said, oh, I've got to find out about this. Mm. Sure enough.
2: Yeah,
0: that's, that's a pretty... Uh, pretty uh, For some
1: reason that stuck with me. You know, I thought, man,
0: that's so rock. Well, there's like flames coming out of the amp right, and they're still right. going. Like, keep <laughs> cool. playing. We've got this handled. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's
1: under control. Yeah. Just keep playing.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I, oh, how much did you have to cut out of the book?
1: You know, I, I can usually deliver pretty much on word count. And I think 140,000 words is what we had, what I had, and um, I, the only <laughs> the only cuts, real cuts, came when uh, when the, the lawyers looked at it. Ah. And that's a long call, and this is a longer call in, for this book than I've ever had, and I'm and I'm talking about I do true crime books that are like you know they're full of legal stuff. Oh right. And, um, but this this. <laughs> Because there's other people talking. And, I'm, and I'm try, I try to protect people. I don't want them to, you know, but it is, you know, the, the, you know, the um, book publishers on the hook. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, and I didn't fight much because I could see their point uh, several times. Mm-hmm. You can't identify this person uh, as uh, being a drug dealer, you
0: know, that kind of stuff. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I guess... And, and
1: then, oh, and, and the, the funny thing was, too, is when you'd go through and the one thing to, to make sure of, well, if they're dead, it's okay. It's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, that's it's right. not
0: slander if they're dead.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of like that, but uh, but yeah, it, we went through, it and it was um, and that was the only time the real the severe cuts came.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. And they didn't hurt
1: that much. They they didn't hurt. They didn't hurt me anyway.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, was this book entirely different in terms of doing it um, than doing a cr- true? Tr- yeah true crime book
1: oh man it was a vacation
0: yeah
1: mm. i mean because there's no life or death and you know and people generally you you you, you don't worry i never worry about reaction in fact i i, I rarely read reviews but um um yeah, at least you don't worry that somebody's going to kill you over it
2: ah ah <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> and i mean I, I i have a fairly steady influx of uh, of prison mail um
2: Really? at my place. And, wow. you know, you
1: always think, well, if that person got out, would they really, you know,
2: mm. think
0: they, think they, what are the chances
1: they'd look me up? Well, But so in this case, I don't think there's anybody that's going to
0: kill me. Probably not. But the, the three true crime books that you wrote, then, are they unsolved? Or are they? No,
1: no, they're all solved. People are in prison. Mm-hmm. But people tend to get out of prison. People also have friends on the outside
0: all right. as well. Wow.
1: But that's, you know, I don't know. Can't you know? I mean, can't, you can't let that really stop you right. from uh, from doing yeah. a good job.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I love the way. Um, <coughs> so, uh, the book is Detroit Rock City: The Uncensored History of Five Decades of Rock and Roll in America's Loudest City. And I love the um, <coughs> excuse me the uh, the the chapter titles. Love them. They didn't call them the Stooges for nothing what happens in detroit it stays in detroit we weren't musicians we were like an outlaw bike club like yeah. there's some really great th- punk rock sucks <laughs>
2: yeah just
1: just taking them from the conversations you know yeah something w- somebody would say something i'd say wow that's that'd be a cool ch- you know that'd be a cool chapter title right you know and I'd, and when i was going through the transcript i'd like i'd, I'd bold it i'd say well that might work mm-hmm. you know and there was a you know there's those for those there were a lot of things that got left on the cutting room floor Where i'd, I'd float an idea and i'd you know i'd look at it again and but I'm not a real good revision. Like I'm, I'm not a good revision writer, so I won't go back and, and take in and put in and take out that much. I don't like to do it. I f- usually figure your first time through is going to be your best. It's kind of like the first take is the best,
2: mm-hmm. and, and that
1: stands up to editing usually. So, but you know, editors will tell you otherwise. You know, if they if they tell you not, you know, it's all right. I have great respect
0: for editors. And then the book covers from 1965 to 2000. Did you, was that um, originally the concept, or did you sort of not, you couldn't stop?
1: Um, I really couldn't stop. I mean, it, I could have kept going, but it seemed to make sense that what everybody portrayed as the uh, garage era um, would kind of, you know, starting with, say, the, you know, we're talking about, I'd say almost the MC5 through uh, that era, it seemed that they were very neat bookends, I
2: think. hmm
1: And, um and, and while Detroit still is as vibrant as ever, um, and there's still just great music pouring out of there, uh, would just like I said, it, for, for uh, literary purposes and storytelling purposes, it made perfect sense. I think we stopped in the right place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's it's a great read, folks. By the way, so uh, there's uh, that. Um, we have a question from a listener. Um, what was your impression going back and editing the Touch and Go book? Was it was a lot of it timeless, or were there a lot of sections that made you wince?
1: No, there was nothing in that Touch and Go book that made me wince. It was it was funny all the way through, where we you know we have the, the, the have it all have them all spread out on uh, in on a surface and just be reading them and just. You know, we, me and Tesco would be reading them and just cackling. you just couldn't stop. It was just so funny. <laughs> um, and so, no, they were they were truly timeless. Uh, and, uh, and and it worked in, in getting uh, Tesco to do those uh, those little intros to the uh, to to each part. You know, where you used to go through the book and you'll see he's written something about a an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it he, he he didn't want to do it at first and then so I'd, I'd say well listen this is, it's going to be really funny he wrote a few and i said no no you got it you wrote it as as bob that's his real name and and i said no no you got to write it as tesco and so he'd come back with just the greatest stuff and i mean stuff that just i don't know that book was to editing that was just so much fun mm. because it was pretty much timeless
0: and i mean and it's a monster book mm. I mean, oh yeah it's a bob. telephone book man yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it just. By the way, that that just got um, that just got reissued. It was out of print for a while. I think copies were going for like you know two point five million dollars on, on eBay, and now they're back down to a reasonable uh, thirty five.
2: Mm.
0: Oh, speaking of, of eBay, do you own any of your old vinyl, fixed vinyl?
1: Oh no, mm. no, no, no. I think I sold by, the last one I even had possession of. Um, I, I think I sold for like thirty bucks oh wow yeah yeah i was poor for a long time i didn't have any money i mean i don't know and yeah. then you have the record come on you you know you give them to everybody here, here take this just you know i made a little record right. you know not that anybody's ever going to listen to it
0: yeah because i um somewhere i read i think on pop that the first fixed seven inch went for more than four thousand dollars on ebay once yeah
1: 4200 bucks somebody
2: yeah told me. look at I that. get these
1: emails periodically when one goes up for sale but uh, but you know that thing's going to come out there there's going to be a uh, right now I can I can say this Touch and Go uh is going to is planning on a release of reissue of those you know how they they reissued the negative approach EP yeah yeah it's going to it's going to be uh, something like that coming on next year
0: oh neat and yeah. and uh and the label though, is is uh no longer mm. so how is that going to uh
1: it still does, It does. I mean, like I said, it did the uh, the NA thing, and um, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I don't. I'm, I'm thinking it did. Some, it's done some A couple other things too. Mm. So you know.
0: Yeah, I'm not really. I. I. Yeah, I could be completely off on that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Little look. That's very cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought it was kind of neat, and uh, you know, Corey's real real into having the exact everything exact. You know. Hmm. And so I kind of enjoyed talking to him about that because he's such a great, you know, he's so good at this. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm talking to just, just like this, you know, just the master of, of indie, you know, labels. He just knew how to do this.
0: Well, and he's he's got plenty of, uh, plenty of experience.
1: Oh yeah, he's he's great, and he's of course he's, you know, the book talks about his, uh, uh, him taking Touch and Go, you know, from where it started to where it got to.
0: To to the level that uh, that that label got to. Which oh is yeah, it's really an amazing it, thing.
1: It, it achieved uh, it achieved some heights, huh?
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, but, but yeah, that and that was one of the things I liked you know, doing this book. That was that was probably the one thing I really wanted. You know, I thought that's where I know stuff. You know, that's because I was right there, mm-hmm. and it was fun to do that just because it was very familiar. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, any kind of time you do something like this, you, it takes you different places. And uh, when I got to that place, I was like, oh, yeah, I know this stuff. You know, I feel really, really comfortable. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of the rest of the time I was learning her, you know, as best I could.
0: Right, right, yeah. And that must have been, I mean, were there moments where you were talking to people, you know, for the book, where you kind of, where if you allowed yourself to get starstruck, you'd just be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm having a conversation with such and such.
1: Never. Isn't that weird? Mm. I mean, I've never been... I, I don't know why. I've never really, uh, never really been like that. I mean, I'm not... I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I saw, like, production... I mean, I saw, like, I did... Um, I had talked to Alice Cooper, and he was in this, this cheesy suite in this casino in northern Michigan, mm. and it was like 20 minutes. You know, yeah. <laughs> the guy who lets me this is twenty minutes. I'm no. like, well, you tick, know what? Tick, tick. It's hard to really be very sorrow when some, when, you know, you get some guy telling you, "You got twenty minutes to spend time with another human being." Right. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ah, come on. Yeah. But uh, but no, I mean, the, the, even uh, you know, when I would talk to you know, I don't know, Aggie Pop called me. I was I was commuting. Um, I had a job in Houston and I had an apartment there at the time as well as a home in Michigan. And he called me in my apartment in Houston, and you know, it was. Yeah, it was Iggy's voice, and, uh, <laughs> and, I, and and I thought that was pretty cool. And he was real good. He was very generous with his time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but no, I, I know I thought I didn't, that didn't strike me either. Um, I went down and I interviewed Jack uh, White at Third Man, mm-hmm. and that was just a really good conversation. It was like a couple of hours. we were just hanging out, and uh, that was real real easy. I'm just trying to think. But no, there was, there was nobody that you know. I, I guess I'm not. Well, good. Yeah.
0: That's cool. That's interesting to find out about yourself. When you, I mean, when you put a project like that in front of you and you've got this, you know, list of names, like I'm going to call this one, I'm going to call that one, I'm going to call that one, and I'm just, you know. Who was really hard to track down for you?
1: You know, nobody was really hard to track down. I mean, it was once you learned the routine, it was like you have to call, like, the bigger names. You have to call them. Repeatedly,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: because I, I think to make it uh, most of them uh, to make it, you know, to make it simple uh, they, to, for them to make it simple would be, you know, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't behoove them as as a lofty personality or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know? But yeah. uh, but nobody nobody was really the only pe The only person that was tough was Bob Seeger and that's because I didn't get him.
2: Right. Yeah. You know,
1: and so the but everybody else was just very very cool about you know it was, it was very cool.
0: Well, and like you said in the beginning, nobody's written the book yet.
2: Right. So
0: they're probably like, well, I was wondering who was going to, you know, eventually yeah. start asking. I
1: kind of hope so. You know, I, I, I hope that's what they were thinking. Um, because, uh, you know, but but I don't know. I, it's it was, it's hard to say. I, I still am kind of flummoxed by
2: it. Mm.
1: <laughs> and I haven't gotten an answer yet either.
2: Yeah. But there were
1: cer- certain people who were right, like really r- right off the bat, like I'm trying to think of some of the first interviews, like... Um, Don was, was really into it because he's very into Detroit things and he's just terrific. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, just been very, very into all things Detroit. Ted Nugent, um, uh, almost immediately, he found, you know, was into it. Wow. Great interview. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, and, and I was, uh, again, because I went and I, I, I talked to people, I wanted to talk to, like, smaller players as well. You know, I wanted to talk to, to roadies and, you know, record store people and producers and, uh and f- even fans and things like that and photographers and you know so i, I tried to keep it as uh, you know i thought they were every bit as important to the story
0: oh yeah cuz so, there's well and, and with a lot of books a lot of you know oral histories you'll hear different versions of the same thing and it's great to get the story from somebody who's on stage and then somebody who's in the crowd
2: you know yeah, about it yeah. specific yeah, yeah, somebody's
1: hanging out or somebody knows them or you know something like that
0: mhm
2: uh,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. So it sure. was, was gratifying to me to to get all these people, and I just wanted—I to, I always tried to keep it. I don't know. I just tried to keep it. Hey, man, it's a book for the people.
0: Right. I don't know what that means. Well, it is. Know. It's a book for the community, for sure. I mean, it's like, wow. Hey, I mean, Detroit is not exactly having a great time out there, you know. No, no. All, I mean, you know.
1: it's, it's it's cultural currency is still as, as great as ever, of course. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't want to. It's not a love letter to Detroit or anything, but. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's, you know, the idea is, is that Detroit, and I went into it, and I've always believed this, the most influential rock and roll city in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and, have that the bit in the beginning there, and that's, and it's like, you sort of make your point going in, you know, about yeah, that. And
1: yeah, I, I wanted to, and I didn't want, you know, I, I'm, it's, everybody's free to contest it and debate it and dispute it and uh, and whatever
2: and uh, well and but i do
1: these interviews and i tell people i say you know if you want to learn about rock and roll just listen to the first three stooges albums and then start learning about rock and
0: roll right right you have you have 300 pages of testimony here <laughs> that's right pretty much that's
1: right 300 yeah. pages of uh yeah that's right <laughs> documentation
0: yeah yeah for sure hey so i want to uh to get your playlist going here you've got some really great stuff here and uh, would you like to introduce the first song that you've chosen for the listeners to hear
1: let me just take a look here. I got, I've got to make sure. I, uh, would this be Grand Funk Railroad? Are you ready? Off the live album?
0: If you want to play that, that's what we got.
1: Yeah, let's do that. That's, uh, this is this song that really, it, to me, it sounds like the MC5. And in the book, Dennis Thompson, drummer from MC5, talks about how they should have been Grand Funk Railroad. uh
0: uh-huh. Hmm, very good. Well, my guest is Steve Miller, author of Detroit Rock City, The Uncensored History of Five Decades of Rock and Roll in America's Loudest City. Also a uh, member of The Fix, was in Blight, and, uh, you know, your your resume is too long, Steve. What can I say? <laughs>
1: God, it <laughs> took a long time to put that together.
0: Well, and, uh, well, next time I won't read the subtitle, but uh, so <laughs> Grand Funk is the uh, the first thing on his playlist, WFMU. Please stay tuned
2: you've been waiting with we'll <laughs> c
0: We are back. My guest is Steve Miller. Steve, are you there? I'm right ready. Well, thank you for that fabulous set of music. Can we talk about that? Uh, those songs we started with uh, Grand Funk, which you introduced, and then
1: we sure, sure. I think uh, next was Born to Lose, uh, Live to Win by the Dirties. Yes. Uh, out of Port Huron, Michigan, um, told one of my favorite stories in the book, uh, just about their first tour, wrecking the van, the usual stuff. Uh, you know, just these guys are just. Totally great storytellers, Um, and uh, and, uh, at any rate, they did uh, the album uh, You Should Be Sinning on Crypt, which is a terrific album. Mm -hmm. Uh, We heard Don the Corner from The Go, um, Off What You Doing, a uh, sub-pop record, I think it was 1999, I believe. Uh, new Gospel, Laughing Hyenas from You Can't Pray a Lie. I was, uh, I'm was i happy to have them in anything, one of the most underrated bands ever. Uh, John brannon really oh, is, yeah. is the real kid rock.
2: Um, <laughs> we
1: Know You're Drunk, Mule, off the wrong EP, um, Touch and Go Records, and Renegade, uh, Ted Nugent, the Amboy Dukes, off of uh, Call of the Wild. Uh, that was, uh let's see, that was on their, uh, let's see, I think that was uh, the, the second of the last uh and Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes album. They had two great albums: two Fang and Claw" and then uh, "Call of the Wild."
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: those are the last albums, but uh, those were, to me, those are the best uh, Amboy Dukes albums. Everybody's going to differ, though.
0: Killer set, thank yeah. you, thank sure. you so much. That's that was uh, amazing. And Detroit, yes, Detroit, and uh, you're going to be doing a little bit of your own sort of Detroit and Midwest tour with uh, with Tesco.
1: Yeah, me and Tesco um, because it made sense. The uh, Touch and Go book uh, finally back in print, and me with Detroit Rock City, we teamed up and we decided we're just going to you know throw a bunch of stuff in the back of the van, and uh, and drive around the Midwest this weekend.
2: Mm. So uh,
1: tomorrow night we're going to be at Quimby's in Detroit. I mean in Chicago. I'm sorry. At 7 p.m. Uh, let's see. Next night, uh, next day, uh, 27th of July at Vibes Music. In Indianapolis, 4 p.m., and the next day after that, uh, Sunday, July 28th, at My Mind's Eye, at 4 p.m. in Cleveland, or actually Lakewood.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then we're then we're going to move it on. The August 3rd will be at Vertigo Music, 4 p.m. in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and August 17th at UHF Music at 2 p.m. in Royal Oak.
0: Awesome! You are keeping Me- yourself busy.
1: Meantime, I got a solo. I got a solo appearance. I'm at the Carrytown Book Fest. Uh, on September eighth in Ann Arbor, cool. On a panel, we'll be talking. I guess there's going to be a couple other people talking about Detroit music, but uh, Carrytown Book Fest in Ann Arbor is uh, is quite the uh, quite the occasion. I did it for one of my crime books at one point
0: too. Ah, so it's a it's a it's a gaggle of authors.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a bunch of people uh, that that wrote books and they're out self promoting.
0: So, and I'm going to guess that the uh, the appearances with Tesco will be a little less tame and author like.
1: Oh yeah, man! It's <laughs> discussions. It's you know, I don't know. We got uh, graffiti cannons. You know, uh, you know the uh, you know flash pots. It's the usual stuff. <laughs> you know, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll relapse. It'll be good. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I,
0: I can imagine, Mr. Uh,
1: <laughs> he's. Yeah, well, they're paying us a lot of money to come to these places. Oh, I bet they are. Yeah, and ad- sure. admission, though, is free.
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. So you can, if you are out in the Midwest, you wouldn't be lucky enough to receive your own copy of Detroit Rock City from Steve Miller and po- possibly get, you know, get, get insulted by Tesco V at the same time. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah. and come and, and you could, you can pick up both. You know, you can pick up the Touch and Go book and you can pick up Detroit Rock City, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and we'll stand and and you know hand them over and just say you know to talk to you. Come and on. also,
0: you have a very complete website um, of your own work. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, avalanche50 dot com, which avalanche50 dot com, yeah, I have it linked up on the playlist um, on the interview uh, spots. And listeners can look at that, and uh, and it's it's a it's a cool website. You got uh, oh, you Got the Detroit Rock City book here now. There's a different um, the illustration of the cover is. It looks like just a De- Detroit skyline. For the um, take a look here for the cover that of the book is Detroit the Rock
1: City. That is a flyer from an oh, appearance. In fact, that uh, that I did last. Uh, I guess it was last week. What, I, I'm losing track.
2: Oh, like um, last man. week at
1: Third Man Records uh-huh. in, uh, in Nashville. Oh great! We had a panel down there, and we talked about a little bit about Detroit. We talked about the book. We talked about Detroit, and uh, and yeah, that was a nice flyer they did
0: down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good. Are there photos in this book?
1: There are photos in this oh. book. Oh, nice. really good ones. In fact, some never be s- never seen before.
0: Mm. And and how did you procure the photos?
1: Well, it was cool. I mean, I just uh, you know everybody was. Uh, I most of all, I said I'll give you a book. We <laughs> didn't, didn't have a huge photo budget, and uh, you know the cover is, is by Robert Matthew, um, a photographer, mm. and he uh, photo was used to work for Cream, and uh, he's got his own own book. He did the Cream book itself,
2: mm.
1: and uh, and the book uh, on Iggy and the Stooges, and uh, and he was. Uh, he was very uh, gracious, and he, he contributed a number of photos. And uh, there were other folks who had some great photos. And, you know, people who were not, not, you know, that I, I wasn't even aware, people would come in a couple of them and say, hey, you know, so-and-so was taking photos at this time. And uh, that's always, to me, photos are always the most painful part of the book because you've got to run around and chase everything down. And, uh, and it went very smooth for this, for this project, and I was really happy. I had a, a wealth of riches, and what you see in there are the, uh, are the best of the best
0: neat That's yeah
1: and people perfect. were very cool about it so it was um so yeah i was happy to have that
0: and, um, and you
1: uh, know, um, never uh, seen before stuff
0: good well then i will have to look at that and i'm looking for let's see on facebook is there a De- detroit rock city facebook page
1: oh man you know the facebook page is like i i i know so i i know so little about uh about this stuff and i just have this uh this genius doing it, his name is uh, Rich Topeka, and he's just a, he's just, he's great. All I can say is, you know, the guy knows just about everything. He explains stuff to me, like, this is why we do this now, and I just go, yeah, okay, that's great, (laughs) whatever you want to do.
2: Uh, (laughs) But that
1: is, yeah, Facebook, it's a Detroit, uh, Detroit Rock City book.
2: Let's see, I'm
0: going to, let's see if I can get this on here, Detroit. I don't know if it's going to do it. Never mind. Sorry, I'm trying to sur- I'm trying to get a a a link live on Facebook now, and that's not uh, not exactly cooperating. That's okay. That's okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so so you you are out there, regardless. Uh, and I'm glad you've got a genius working for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it perfect. helps. It yeah. helps because if you don't know something, just let somebody else. Uh, you know.
2: <laughs> you,
0: you don't have to learn everything you no know, you man gotta you gotta don't find have to have complete
1: control yeah you've know? you got
0: to find the people that are good at it yeah and, and control is way overrated <laughs> yeah um and let me see let me get back to the playlist here because there were a couple of questions Let's see it says um d- w- was anybody interviewed who says that they were misquoted
1: um but man that's that happens I think any journalist that ever does anything. It happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no, um, not, 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 not yet, but I always say, yeah, just wait.
2: Right, you right. Know?
1: But uh, thankfully I got a lot of this stuff on tape. Um, but, and,
2: um, and do you have but it to do that? I mean,
1: again, just doing this in, in general, everyday practice,
2: yeah. it,
1: uh, you know, you'll hear it once in a while. I'm, I've been lucky in my, uh, in my time doing uh, journalism, it's 20 years or so, 19 years.
0: And have you had to do that with any of your books, like go back to the tape? Um, no, I have not. Mm, that's so I guess,
1: again, I can consider myself rather lucky in yeah.
2: that regard.
0: And then, like, how much tape or <clears throat> digital files do you have for this book?
1: Oh, I've got tons. You must. I mean, I've got, uh, you know, I mean, for, for a lot of this was taped, not, and, you know, some of it was just done. I mean, if somebody calls me back and I'm driving in my car, I pull over, and I just can write it. I have to write it down. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, and it depends on where I get called back. Some, you know, sometimes if I try to reach somebody, it's just taking a little bit. I'll just do, you know, right there. We'll just do it. Or if I'm, you know, depending on who it was. Uh, but but I still have the tapes, all the files, and uh, and I had to pay to get them, you know, transcribed. But uh, right, which is fine. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: but uh, but yeah, it, it's. I, I talked to someone else who did one of these, and I said, what do you do with all the transcriptions? You know? He <laughs> said, well, they just sit in a file cabinet. So yeah. And I, the thought had had it had dawned on me that, I well, you know, you could do a, an outtakes thing, version. And uh, uh, and who knows, uh, stuff that didn't make it. Because there's plenty of really good stuff.
0: Right, bonus tracks.
1: Yeah, yeah, bonus tracks. I had a couple people actually say, well, I told you all this great stuff and you didn't use it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you had a lot of competition, you know. And right. everybody's going to say, well, I had the best stuff I told you. So,
2: yeah.
0: Well, I mean, the book is uh, is full of amazing competition.
1: You, uh, uh, that's what I, I kind of felt like it had to be, you know, it really had to rise to the, you know. And there were great, again, there were great, uh, you know, people had some great, uh, great things to say, great stories. Mm-hmm. But everything just couldn't be fit into 140,000 words.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: so so yeah, you're right the, the outtakes would be really kind of fun
0: well, and especially because you sort of have you've got the book divided into three distinct parts for time periods yeah so really yeah. it's like it's like a hundred pages from nineteen sixty five to nineteen seventy two and then you know a hundred from seventy three to eighty one and then a hundred from eighty one to two thousand it's like and if it's even divided up that way but so you know you're taking all the players and just like kind of boiling it down to that you're getting the best of the best you gotta yeah you have yeah
1: to. it was it was the idea was you know you had a, a high uh, you know there's a <laughs> high standards i guess
0: yeah you have to well it's yeah. a good thing that you wrote this book because at least you know your experience at writing books because I could, I could see my i mean taking on just as like you know the average person here it's like like i take on doing a radio show and i've got you know 100 songs to play in three hours or something. You know, and I'm like, wah! you know, I like float away in the sea of music. It's like, oh, I've got to interview 300 people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's even funnier about doing this? At the same time I was doing this book, I was also writing a book called Nobody's Women, Mm -hmm. The uh, Crimes and Victims of Anthony Soll, the Cleveland Serial Killer. Oh, wow. So I was bouncing back and forth between serial killer and uh, rock and roll. Mm Hmm.
0: Did so, that put you in a different headspace?
1: No, um, I, because, uh, well, well right, writing, uh, when I, said after reporting everything and sitting down to write Nobody's Women, it was the, by far the darkest book I've ever written, mm. um, it was about a serial killer. Uh, that put me in a different space. Yeah. And again, like I think I said before, this, this uh, the the Detroit Rock City was a vacation.
0: Oh, so thank yeah. God you were doing those at the same time.
1: And I was doing them at the same time, yeah, but so I mean, like, I, me I go back are, to was the reporting rock? them at the same time. Like, yeah. the trial... Anthony Soule soul came about the same time I was doing the reporting, so I just have to bounce back and forth
2: yeah. the, between the projects,
0: yeah.
1: which was fine. That was that was okay. So
0: you're like, wow, this is a really dark, tough day. Think I'll go work on the Rock Book.
1: That's right, but exactly.
0: At <laughs> <It> least <you laughs> exactly.
1: Out. And so, somebody not calling me back for the for for Detroit Rock City just didn't didn't matter as much. You <laughs> right. know, I, I couldn't take it quite as seriously. That's
0: not going to phase you when you're like looking at you know. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. like writing about uh, various uh, various murders and discoveries yeah
0: um we have a question from a listener who says um if i could ask you if you have any recollections of violent apathy with uh dick bowser and kenny not
1: is that is that yeah yeah of course i mean uh one of the great uh, midwest uh, uh punk rock bands um yeah i remember the in the fix we played in uh, in kalamazoo 1980 fall and this is you know before any of this hardcore stuff had really broke um and there were those guys were at the, our show and um and we went back to their place and listened to a bunch of you know a bunch of their music they were playing a lot of new wave and we had this tape with uh, you know with like discharge on it and and, and black flag and the germs and, mm-hmm. and that was i think that they said they told me later that was like turn their head completely around after seeing us and then hearing that music and there that was you know uh, but great just a great just one more great band out of the midwest
0: you got them to grow up a little bit
1: yeah yeah And mm-hmm. I mean just it's just you know they're just getting schooled
0: and uh and then somebody else says um in what way did the music scene and the music industry in detroit change because of the downfall of the city
1: oh, no not not at all i mean the downfall of the city has been gradual um uh, despite last week's bankruptcy, I mean that was a long time coming yeah um, and I think again I said that the cultural currency there is is so you know it's a it's a definitely a very valuable uh, uh, valuable piece of currency so uh, I don't think the downfall of the city per se that downfall is more uh, social mm-hmm. and when we tell you the music has prevailed, obviously all the way through it. I mean the city wasn't in, in great shape in in, uh, in the late nineties and yet it had one of them had the most vibrant uh, music scene in, in America. Well,
2: I, th- in the
0: world. I think that sometimes those sort of situations do couple up with great music scenes because maybe there's not a whole lot to do. You know? Well,
1: you know, in the book someone explained it and I can't remember who now um, but that you could—it was very feasible in Detroit at that time in the late '90s. You could have a part-time job and play in a band, and you were doing it. You were—you were living the dream. I mm-hmm. mean, for some people, that was all they really wanted. Yeah. And it just so happened that some of those bands were just really, really good. And maybe you know what making it means to someone is probably different. You know, if making it means you want to get on the radio and and uh, and be popular. Well, that's that's a fairly simpleton's uh, version of making it but if making it means you just want to make some good music and play play out uh you could do it really really easy because detroit's so cheap to to live in mm. and to afford a, a really a nice place a decent place
0: yeah that totally makes sense and yeah the, it's and not you, like you have
1: you, to have be you know have a you know be a trust fund baby or anything
0: yeah and you don't have to work like you know three jobs just to pay the rent that's so, right you know so that's you're right. making ends meet and you've got spare time
1: That's right, yeah, there's more time to devote to your your craft and, uh, you know, and the party.
0: Let's see. Was there any connection between the Detroit Rock scene and the Cleveland serial killer? Oh I some somebody's laughing after this.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. No, Matt, but don't think I didn't look.
0: <laughs> <laughs> are there parts it of the w- books that could overlap?
1: It would have <laughs> it would have been awesome. <laughs> but no. There's no uh, no connection. Uh, but I've always thought that the best rock and rollers are, are part criminal, at the at the at the least part
0: criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You gotta have that sort of renegade, you know. I'd hope re- so. Yeah. Rebel, re- rebel way of looking at life. Yeah,
1: you got to have some form of insouciance, you know, you're, to to uh, to make things work uh, musically.
0: Mm. Oh, somebody wants to know if you talked to Dennis Coffee.
1: Dennis Coffee, that's a that's a great question. He's on the list. He's on the list, but no, I did not, oh, and I don't remember. Yeah. There were people that did that list though that, that would fall off the list. You know what I mm. mean? I'd get something, and they'd fall on the list and fall off the list. Well, you, Dennis Coffee would have been great though.
0: I'm sure you got so much material anyway. At some point, if you can't so much get,
1: sitting around, yeah, yeah. Still, I mean, I, there's some interviews I did that I didn't even get to use.
0: Wow, is yeah. there is there any little like uh, narrative that you can tell the listeners something that didn't get in the book that that was fun but just didn't get in?
1: Let me think here. Uh, that's, 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 that's they put me on the spot here. Um, you know, I can't. I'm trying to remember here. Some stuff that got cut because of legal reasons. Mm. Um, we
0: definitely don't want to be talking about those. Yeah, that'd be a bad idea, <laughs> wouldn't it?
1: Um, uh, you know, it seemed like it seemed like there'd probably be something that Mitch Ryder told me that didn't make it, because he loves to talk and he's just terrific. Uh, um, but uh, but often bad you know yeah. the guy from uh, from Frigid Pink told me about them playing. I forget what it was. Uh, them playing for Nixon. Um, on some big boat,
0: wow! Oh,
1: Stevers and and I and I wanted to put that in there on some ship that was docked just off Miami, and now I can't remember for some reason exactly what that was all about. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean if if I'd have to go through, you know, and, and I, I'm going to eventually go back through these and say what didn't make it and what might be really good and maybe to put up on the Facebook page, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it would be kind would of
1: be cool to, to get that done yeah because there was stuff that while i was doing this you know struck me as like wow that that's great and then uh, you know and i'd, I'd notice it would uh, it would fall apart
0: right yeah yeah i mean that's that's got to be hard to to you know to make the call but you know you're a writer so you know how to do those things and not, sure not sure. be I don't attached think like, and go it's yeah. a ten thousand page book what do you think
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Who wants to read that? Right. You
0: know? yeah. yeah. You can't really. You, you yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I that. can see it if it's like a six. If it's the six, the, like what the the uh, Stooges Funhouse uh, uh, box set. Yeah, I'd listen. I'd listen to that r- religiously, and you know, every every take. But a ten thousand word book,
2: I don't know. Right. Don't know, yeah. Hundred.
1: I mean, a t- yeah. Pages. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. a million word book. no, I don't
0: think so. <laughs> so um, I do want to be mindful of the time because Steve has to. Uh, to handle some other stuff, so I wanted to ask you to maybe introduce three songs, and we'll uh, we'll let you skedaddle. All
1: right, all right. Um, let's see, "Sweet Nothing," Sonic's uh, Rendezvous Band, uh, one of the great underrated bands uh, yes. out of um, Detroit. Uh, Fred Sonic Smith, after the MC Five, uh, put together a band, and this is a, this is probably the first time this is uh, anything about them has really been chronicled. And uh, anyway, this is live at Masonic Auditorium. After that, it'll be uh, here. It comes the Ramrods. Off of Give Me Some Action. Ramrods were a uh, kind of a mid-period band. Detroit didn't have the uh, the potent uh, uh, late '70s punk scene that uh, other places did have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ramrods were one of the bright spots, and they they uh, they did some good stuff and vastly underrated. Never, I don't think they ever played out of town um, for that matter. So the, the ambition was probably their. Uh, uh, lack of ambition was their malady and then uh, up all night to uh, src off of milestones um, again band signed to capital uh did a couple of terrific albums and uh yeah they could have been bigger they might have been bigger with the right uh right management but, uh, but that's all right they did great music and really that's its own reward
2: yeah they were
0: one of those ba- I, I never uh never heard of them really never
1: Okay, well, that's, this is cool. And that's what, you know, part of this book, with the, the wish was, like, wow, can I shine a light on some of these bands that people may not have heard? And I, and I thought about this. I didn't have a target audience, but I thought, well, there's going to be boomers who want to read about, so-called boomers want to read about the MC5. You know, they fancy themselves rock and roll people still um, and, and so on. But then they have to read through the book, and they have to listen, like, they have to read about the hyenas. And so if I can turn anybody on to the greatness of the laughing hyenas or, or mule or, or, or the go or something like that, I'd be really, really happy. Yeah. And then vice, vice versa, going backwards, somebody that, you know, reading it and going really into the go or, or, or something like that, or Electric Six, goes back and says, it's SRC, what is this, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I was totally, because they were introduced really early in the book, and I kept on, like, having to look them up. I'm like, who's SRC? Well, it's I cool because really,
1: then you know that, and I've, this has happened to me so many times. Reading, reading things, and I say, well, "Who is this band?" And if they say something interesting, then I want to know who they are. I want to listen to them. Of course. So that's the idea, hopefully.
0: Yeah, no, and it's really successful because there's a whole lot of, you know, cross-pollination. And then, you know, you've got rock fans, music fans who are going to read the book. So if there's anybody in here, you know, that's mentioned for any amount of time or somebody who's really been in the scene, it's like, oh, I want to hear who this band is.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's that curiosity factor, which I think is just, uh, you know, it's it's, I I don't know. Lack of curiosity kills the cat, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. We could all become jaded and, you know.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Just hang out and do nothing. But but uh, read the book, Detroit Rock City, and uh, Steve Miller has been my guest. Uh, You've got the Midwest tour starting tomorrow, along with Tesco V. Those of you in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Cleveland should uh, definitely come and you know pelt rocks and garbage at least at Tesco. Exactly. And uh, and buy the book from Steve. And uh, his website is avalanche50.com and there is the facebook page which is detroit rock city book steve thank you so much
1: thanks so much for having me. awesome and just
0: you know i think the book is the book really works and like you know just in terms of being sort of playing like tag team and being like a kiosk for what to look for next you know in terms of like you know unearthing some things in detroit and really bringing things to light so i know you're not necessarily like yay, team, yay, my community, but it really works that way, I think it's you know it's great, well, and it's got a perfect, perfect spot,
1: oh, well, thanks, If that's a byproduct of it, that'd be that's that'd be great too, because it's that's not a bad thing, necessarily,
0: yeah, no, great not it. at all, you know, especially right now that that you know Detroit is you know the armpit in terms of you know economics, and you're like, oh, like the jokes, the Detroit jokes are coming back, you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's. <laughs> It's sport.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs>
1: Which is fine. Some of them are really funny, so that's, that's cool.
0: Yeah. So we're going to go with uh, uh, another couple stong- songs from Steve, and I'll say goodbye to you now. This is uh, All right. Thank You So Much. And uh, All right. Th- thanks again. And uh, we're going to go into some Sonic's <clears throat> Rendezvous Band. This is Sweet Nothing. Stay tuned. Oh, this is a tune called Sweet Nothing. <laughs> And that concludes another podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. More on the way. Thanks to Liz Berg for handling the in-house podcast duties here at WFMU. I am Diane Kamikaze. Check my Twitter and my Instagram. Handle is one word, Diane Kamikaze. Kamikaze ends with an E. On Facebook, you can find me as Diane Kamikaze, Farris, rocker for life and making a difference. Yes my facebook page has 10 words in it my regular show is on thursdays from noon to 3 p.m. for an expanded version with lots and lots of music wise cracks and fun stuff the full link to my uh, index of shows and podcasts is can be found on wfmu.org/playlists/dk those are, that's a capital D and a capital K I'm going to be working on encore presentations and I've got years of old interviews and podcasts so if there's something that you'd like to see reposted that you missed please get in touch send me email diane at wfmu.org and be sure to subscribe to the show and if you like it please rate it and review it wow wfmu peer pressure